that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It's the start of another week here. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. I'm here with Doug Maurice and Stephen Means. Stephen and I were at a live football practice this morning. Second time in four days for me. First time in over a calendar year for Stephen, right? The first time you've been in the Woody watching football or something close to football. And you were, we were walking in and you were giddy. Like you were like a kid on the, not, not kid on the first day of school because people don't like to go to school. But you know what I'm saying. Like you were excited. You're like kid on the first day of camp or something. Like you, you're showing up ready to to mix it up. You, you just the sounds of the PA before we even walk into the Woody had you excited. Yeah, it was the first part of normality, going back to a normal life. You know, we sit outside, wait outside the lobby for 45 minutes before Jerry finally lets us in. As you're walking in, you can hear Quinn on the PA calling guys out, talking. You got the music going. It just felt like a normal spring situation. It it just after what the last year has been like, obviously I've been pretty close given that I was trying to sneak videos of who was actually in attendance to football games this past year. But other than that, being around a normal football situation where all we were worried about was who's starting where, who's in what, who's with what position group. That was exciting. You know, other than the fact that we were all wearing masks and that we had to go get our temperature taken from uh, Dr. Mike Basford on the OSU SID staff, it was pretty much like a normal practice or what we might've gotten to see. We didn't get to watch a whole practice, but today we actually got four periods. We got to see some passing drills against part of a defense. We got to to see some more interesting things. And I I felt like I learned a a little bit today, Doug. I mean, just, uh, I, I know you weren't able to be there. You had some other duties, but, how much do you feel like we should know by the middle of spring or is it we can sometimes make too much out of even two practices, you know, six periods over two practices halfway through spring? No, sometimes, I mean, it's all depth chart stuff, right? I mean, I, I never buy much of the, a guy looked good or a guy, whatever, but if you go to multiple practices, cause sometimes guys are rotating, sometimes they're sharing a spot, whatever. But if you can go to multiple practices and it's like, well, every time I go, that guy is like up first in drills or that when they come out in a group, he's with the ones, that's something. And that's something that is, you can get your eyeballs on it and then it leads to questions. And so I think that does matter. So um, I don't know what we're going to see the rest of spring, but it's when the information builds on each other, it's when you can start extrapolating a little bit and deciding it's more than a one day thing. Yeah, I think that's the key thing. And this may be the last thing we see until the spring game scheduled for April 17th, so less than two weeks from today. This may be the last preview we get before that. I don't know for sure. Um, You know, Ohio State, I was glad that they let us in these last two days, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see some more. But if not, at least then we'll have this for context when we finally do get to see spring game. We have some – Ohio State has some guys missing, so that also complicates things. You don't want to make too much out of, you know – starters are out of position so then somebody else fills in whatever but as it relates to some positions I think we are getting some some good information so we wanted today to talk about what's real and what's not we're calling it like are you buying or selling things that we've been told about Ohio State football this spring now that we have you know several interviews we've done a few weeks of interviews at various position groups we've talked to Ryan Day every Monday and then some other days mixed in with that and now we've seen things with our own eyes twice so I thought we should just start with the quarterbacks. Today, Ryan Day was asked again about, you know, how that's developing, whether there's been any separation in that. He says, nope, no separation. This is still a, a three-man 
competition. So, uh, you know, my first buy or sell is, is the quarterback, the quarterback battle is dead even, a three-way race as we sit here on April 5th. Are we buying or selling that? I would sell that, right? I would sell that. Did we think that was the case going in, right? I, mean, I, would, I would guess that we maybe would sell that. We would have sold that before spring practice started, and I don't know. I, haven't, I don't know that we, there's anything that's happened that would cause us to buy it because I'm selling it because I'm assuming that CJ Stroud's a little bit ahead. I would have considered buying it before spring practice started just because of uh, all the context we already know. I'm selling that now. Yeah, because I of think, what you've seen with your what you guys saw today. Because of what, yeah, because of what I've seen today. I, there's that. I, I think I was already gonna would have sold it. I think Doug is right. I don't think I would have believed 33.3 percent all the way across. But I'm I'm selling it with uh, more urgency as we get farther into this. Uh, C.J. Stroud in both of the practices that I've been at has gone first through the rotation in everything that those three quarterbacks have done together. And for the most part, those three quarterbacks are off in their own group. They split the quarterbacks into two groups, those three, and then like walk-ons and and other guys Mm -hmm. in the other group. And CJ Stroud, then Jack Miller, then Kyle McCord. That's how they rotate through every time. Ryan Day was asked about that today. Are we supposed to take something from that? Does that mean something? And he obviously blows it off and says, no, we mix them up. We run them through. But the two times that we've seen, it's been that way. And there is, I don't think it means everything, but I think it means something. And I, you, there is a definite poise. And it, it, here's where your, your mind starts playing tricks on you, right? Because like, am I, do I see this because it's there or am I imposing it onto what I'm watching just because of what I assume is playing out? But there does seem to be a certain poise with CJ Stroud, a certain body language that I think he carries. Having come out of the past last season, presumptively is the guy who was in front and then the guy that everyone else would have to then knock off. And I, 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 as this goes farther, as I've seen these two practices, it's, it's, it's more given me the, the implication that he is the guy that's out leading this competition. What did you just think of what you saw from a passing perspective today, Steven? I, I saw guys who are still learning some ugly throws, some good throws. All three of them had some, I think that threw some interceptions during that, that what, 30, 40 minutes that we were in there, all of them had some touchdowns and some solid throws. Nothing that from a from an ability standpoint made me walk away from that thinking, oh, yeah, that's the starter. It was just more, you know, how they were going about things because it means something because it's also the order that they were in during warm-ups last season. It would be Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, and obviously Gunnar Hope instead of Kyle McCord. But that was the order pretty much from the Penn State game on whenever I would watch warm-ups as they'd be in that order. And then back in the spring, Jack Miller was ahead of C.J. Stroud. Does that make sense to you, Doug? Like, it's one of those things where, as you were talking about, like, depth chart and repetition and seeing things. Like, it's something I don't want to say decides a competition, but I don't think it means nothing that they keep putting C.J. Stroud. That C.J. Stroud keeps kind of taking that first run through those rotations. Well, they could be drawing numbers out of a hat, and he just happens to win every day. They could be going, what, like, alphabetical by first name? And they just go like, right. I mean, like you can come up or it means something. Right. So you can act like it doesn't mean anything except it's not random. So anything that's not random means something. And I do think as much as I've, I've enjoyed Ryan Day's discussions of the quarterbacks this spring. And I've enjoyed when he's been like, ah, they're young. They make mistakes. But you also, so you can read that as 
hey, nobody's, you know, it's a wide open competition. Guys are fighting. Or that is also the same thing you would say if, A, you were trying to tell the second and third guys that, hey, it's still wide open, and you were also trying to remind the first guy, who knows he's first, hey, man, you need to be better, right? It's a good little, just like, just like Urban always was with Dwayne. Like, never, it's like, hey, you know, CJ's out here like, man, I'm first. What's going on? And Ryan's like, these guys, they're young. They make mistakes. And CJ's like, I'll show him, right? That's how it works. So if CJ Stroud is confident in his abilities and he's a good young player, but Ryan Day wants to stoke the fires, everything that Ryan Day is saying would fit that scenario. It would fit wide open competition, but also like CJ's definitely ahead, but I'm going to make sure he doesn't think he's got it locked up or he has all the answers yet. Yeah, so much of this is every spring is like parsing language. And especially I think when it comes to quarterback contributions, quarterback competitions that are this wide open. There's a difference between a, an equal share of the lead and an equal share of the opportunity. I, I believe that everyone had, I think, an equal opportunity to go out and prove that they could be the guy. But I don't believe that it's a 33.3% share of a perfect tie as to who is, is leading right now. And I think, again, the more I've thought about it and just the way it looks out there, C.J. Stroud just kind of looks like a guy who ended last season in front and then now somebody's got to come beat him out. And I don't know that I really had that picture in my mind when this started. I know I probably should have just based on what we saw last year, but maybe I was buying into the, 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 the three-wayness of this a little bit more. But that's definitely the vibe that I get when I, when I now having seen two of these practices. I mean, you even take it into the stretching. He's number, he's first, and it's Jack Miller, then it's Kyle McCord. And then some of his body language after certain reps, it's not quite – I don't know what Dwayne's body language was in 2018 that spring, but – it might be flirting with it as far as his confidence and how he's kind of carrying himself out there. If you could put like, um, you know, like the part in, uh, is it staying alive? What's the John Travolta movie where he's walking down the street at the beginning? Is that uh, uh, Saturday night fever? Saturday night fever. Like John Travolta's walking down the street. Is he wearing a white suit? Does he have a big collar or something? He's walking down the street, like strutting down the street. That was Dwayne Haskins' body language in 2018, by the way. You can just <laughs> play that it's not song. Quite that. It's not that. Okay. It's not like – No, it's, it's, not... It's, it's definitely a humble way of going about it. But it's kind of undertone where you're like, wait, are you, are no, you bragging right now? Are you, yeah. are you bragging? But it, he makes it sound nice where if you've never talked to him before, you don't realize he's bragging. I think that's more C.J. Stroud's personality. It's not flamboyance. It's just a no. – he just looks comfortable out there. And I'm not, and I, I'm not saying those other two guys look flustered and scared and nervous out there. They, I don't see that because again, over the two days, I've seen all those guys zip one where it's supposed to go, and I've seen all those guys sail one to that uh, an eight foot guy couldn't catch. So it, they do still all kind of look like freshman quarterbacks at at some time. But I do think that that some of those things like poise and charisma. Are, are really crucial, I think, in sports. They're kind of like charisma is a really underrated thing. And I, I also think that if, you're, if you go into last season and C.J. Stroud had, had kind of started to separate, then um, there, there's, you know, the rest of the team, I think, picks up on that too. So, again, if you're going to make a change, it really, it's on somebody else to really go out and, and really win that job. And I, just from the brief things we've seen, I would, it still makes me think that C.J. Stroud's the guy that's out in front of this. No, I think, I think that all makes sense that, like, Status quo is C.J. Stroud's the starter in September. And so something would have to shake the status quo. 
at this point, which is to the point of it's 33, 33, 33. That was your question. Are you buying or selling? I think we're all sort of selling the idea that it's, and it's equal because if it was all equal and everything stayed the same, like we'd get to September and Ryan Day would be like, all right, well, everybody gets a series. And it's like, no, somebody's ahead right now. And it seems like it's CJ Stroud. I did see a couple of times. I thought Jack Miller can really thread a needle. I mean, that guy can throw a ball. Um, there were a couple of times that he really whistled one in that I was impressed by. Um, Common court has made some good throws too. I did see at one point there was something about when they were doing a, a, a passing drill that, where they were backpedaling and um, Ryan Day then kind of went over and talked to him for a while about like something with his footwork and like something he wanted to correct, I think with the footwork. And there was a time when they were doing punting drills and the quarterbacks were, um, were overworking and Ryan Day. Yeah. yeah, Day was not over with the quarterbacks, but then later he was. Like they went, we went outside. They were doing what I think was like seven on seven because they weren't doing a full offensive line at that point. Uh, Ryan Day was kind of around the quarterbacks, helping and, and correcting and teaching and stuff there. So we did get a little bit of insight. I posted a video of just um, on our YouTube channel, just of the red zone passing drill that was going on, so you can see who was making some catches and and how some throws went there. And it's only like a minute and a half long, and it's a few throws by each of the guys. But at least you get to actually see with your own eyes um, how those guys are throwing a ball and, and a little bit of what's going on out there. But, Stephen, was there anything else from the quarterback situation that caught you? I mean, you only got to see them today. and yeah. But at least you got to see them, like, having to read Compete. a defense such as it was. It wasn't like a full – you weren't getting a pass rush. And I think it was a little bit more scripted than just a live period. But anything you took out of that? I do uh, – it's just – Jack Miller's arm is – he has a really good arm, but he's – I think of the three is the guy who's going to hold it the longest because I think there were a couple times where they had to call it dead because he just didn't get through the read fast enough. And I don't know if it's because he couldn't find anybody open or if he was just holding it a little bit too long. Kyle McCord lets it go. He's going to rip it. That's one thing I did take away from the day. He finds his first read and it's out. Or he gets to a second or third read and it's out. While CJ is kind of in a mixture of both where sometimes it's quick – Sometimes it's you can tell the athleticism wants to kick in, but it's you know like you said it's it's kind of scripted, so he can't do a lot of that stuff. But they, I think when they were at their best, Kyle McCord is the guy who's going to rip it and get, kind of feed everybody and be more of a point guard. While CJ might be a little bit more of a playmaker with his legs, while Jack Miller might just playmake with his arm. I did see one interception in the semi-live period today. Steven, don't give it away because I want Doug to guess which defensive oh, yeah. back <laughs> intercepted a tipped pass in practice today. Kyle McCord was the quarterback. It was tipped at the line of scrimmage, and a defensive back picked it off. No, it's not. <laughs> yes. Yep. D-Mac! Demario time! No, 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 oh, oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. That would be too was, He wasn't there. Demario was able, so actually. I'm not yeah, sure where awesome. Demario was. He today. wasn't there, and I asked Ryan Day about it, and he just skipped over that part of my question. Three, two, one. Cut out that Demario McCall part. Oh, you were teasing me with yeah. him. It's like, his first day on defense, Demario McCall makes a mark. Uh, Cam Martinez? Nope. Oh, now I'm just, now I'm just whiffing. Who am I, who is it? It's it not going to be who you think it's going to be. Yeah, that oh. was kind of the point. It was Tyreek Johnson, actually. Oh, well, the, good for him. Yeah. yeah, so, but that's not the first time we've seen him flash in the spring or in, like, a, a preseason situation. Like, we've seen him do those things before, and somehow it just never really translates. And this was, again, it's a tipped pass thrown by a true freshman in a spring practice. I'm, I'm not going to um, make the world out of it, but he was, it was the one I saw in two days of, of the drills that we saw. Since I Some wasn't the there, is it, too. is it okay if I Go just ahead. keep the thing in my head that it was a Demario McCall interception? That, like, in my mind, it happened. 
I mean, listen, Ryan Day literally said when he was asked about last week, it looks like he's going to help us this year on defense. It wasn't like he was like, sure, he's playing. Like he said, it looks like he can help us this year on defense. Make of that what you will. But then again, today he was not there. So, oh, so much say he's not going to be there. I will say that some freshmen did flash in the secondary. Speaking of the um, Jansen Dunn uh, kind of baited Kyle McCord into a play. A little, I think we're now we're kind of ragging on Kyle McCord a little. But he baited him a little bit and almost caused an interception. And then a walk-on uh, locked up Garrett Wilson on a, on a fade route. Uh, Lloyd Farquhar. He had a oh, that's our plays. guy. Yeah. Like Farquhar, Cleveland, Cleveland guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, Cleveland guy. He had a couple good lockups, um, nice. which t- tells you just how many secondary guys are out right now. Yeah, there are a bunch of secondary guys out. Uh, we found out Mitchell Melton today. He showed up on crutches. He is a long-term injury, Ryan Day said, so not back for the spring. And when he says long-term like that, it all, that makes me wonder what he's gonna, what his situation could be for the fall. Yeah, because there's um, no brace. It was just on crutches. Yeah, which – and he, he, talk, he alluded to non-contact injuries this spring, kind of right after he was talking about him. I'm, I'm not going to – because they don't talk – get specific on injuries a lot of times, except – when they do sometimes accidentally tell us things like Marcus Crowley tore his ACL. So maybe we'll find out the extent of it, but it doesn't sound good for him as far. And a guy that has, his name has come up a couple times from coaches saying like, Hey, Mitchell Melton looks pretty good. And I don't know that we're going to get to see that for 2021 now, but uh, we'll see. Um, we're going to come back to that idea though, about the injuries in a second, but we're going to take a break. We're going to come back here and keep buying and selling what we've heard so far this spring about Ohio state football here on Buckeye talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. We're buying and selling the things we've been hearing this spring now that we've actually gotten to see two practices this spring and, and especially kind of an extended look today. Can I interrupt you for a second? Absolutely. You mean when Marcus Crowley tore his ACL in the past, right? Yes. Correct. Yes, yes. I just want to make sure nobody's like, what? Marcus Crowley? Marcus Crowley's fine. No, no, no. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. referring to last year when he got hurt in 2019 and then the next uh, spring or whenever it was when Ryan Day said, oh, he tore his ACL, which they, again, they usually don't get that specific on injuries, but he did that time. But Marcus Crowley was out there practicing today and was fine, as far as we could tell. Um, buying or selling, Jeremy Ruckert will be more featured in the passing game in 2021. I feel like this is an annual one you can do every spring. They, you know, obviously he's the only returning tight end with really any experience, certainly and, and on top of that, happens to be one of the best in the country. I will say today, you know who was catching a lot of passes in that red zone drill? Jeremy Rucker. He caught yeah. like two or three touchdowns in that drill against the defense. Um, again, defense is a little bit thin right now. But I think I am buying he will be featured more. We didn't really – I guess it depends on what the extent is. I think it's going to be – I think I'm buying that he will be more of a – presence in the receiving game a not- noticeably a bigger presence in the receiving game shout out to bill if he's listening yeah. so here's the thing so you can sort of decide that whenever you want to decide it right you can throw some tight end screens or like just run plays for him and stuff i think it's harder if it's gonna be a young quarterback i think a young quarterback might be less inclined to throw it in the middle of the field i think sometimes people think like oh like a tight end your crutch you're young oh you can throw to the tight end it's like well you know, a tight end is like there's a lot of stuff going on in there. Sometimes you can throw like a bubble screen out wide or you can throw, you know, a deep ball that if there's not another – there's only one safety back there, it's like a do or die, it's incomplete or it's a catch. Like I think some of that stuff like, oh, over the middle, there's a linebacker lurking. Do a, Is there a zone blitz and a defensive end drops and a safety comes down? I think they can be harder throws for a young quarterback sometimes. So I don't know that like the natural inclination of the quarterback – 
would lead me to an idea that Ruckert would get it more. But, like, will they decide it? Because Ryan Day can call a play on first and 10 that Jeremy Ruckert runs three yards, turns around, and you put it in his chest and then let him do something. He can do that. But he also has Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. So I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it just because Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, a younger quarterback. I just don't know that it's going to be. And I thought, you know, we were saying we don't want to, we want to make this question matter, maybe like significantly more. I would definitely sell significantly more, like slightly more, eh, maybe like same range, but 8% more, 12% more, maybe. But I, I'm a little bit like I'll believe it when I see it in terms of anything more than that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think the best part about today's pra- – when we go to practice is when we get to see them go live, and sometimes you maybe get to see some of the stuff they might do in a game. I think that was the best part. And they were doing some middle-of-the-field stuff while they were in goal line, period. And to your point, Doug, I think that's why I might buy it because they weren't really putting Jeremy Ruckert over the middle. Like, they had a couple of times where – they did it last year, too, where they started him out wide, motioned him back in just to have him run a route back to the outside. They did that a couple of times and ran that through. So I'm going to buy it because, because if, if they're not going to do as much 12 personnel stuff, especially in the red zone, they just might use Jeremy Ruckert differently to get him looks, which is why I'll buy it if they're going to do some of the stuff I saw today. I think in the red zone and especially goal line scenarios, I think that is where they will still lean 12 personnel or more likely use 12 personnel regardless. It's more in the open field. And that's where I think, I, I think I agree with both of you to some extent. I mean, I think, I think you're right as far as, because they're still going to do like, those things where they'll drag the tight end across the middle. And if you're, you know, uh, those, those guys who, those other receivers were talking about, you almost become decoys here. You can drag a tight end underneath that and make an easy pass for any quarterback, young quarterback. But I think Doug's right. As far as like in the open field, like throwing passes, you know, at your own 35 yard line and throwing a pass over the middle of the field, uh, that may not be a comfortable pass for these guys at the start of the season. That may be something that they would have to like de- develop towards or that Ryan Day might not even be inclined to have as part of the, the routes that are being run at that point of the season, or at least not like the primary reads on those routes. That is, I think something to keep an eye on. Like how do they use the middle of the field? Cause I feel like teams I've seen so many teams over the years where I'm watching them and being like, why aren't you using the middle of the field more? Cause, cause they don't use it at all. And it's because I think they're worried about the, the turnover scenarios there. So I don't think you can, you, I don't know if you can be a successful offense at the level that Ohio state wants to be and completely ignore that part of the field but I also think it is something to take into account that you've got to be careful there because the it, the risk is higher no I think that makes sense and, and like as much as it would be great for Jeremy Ruckert to be featured in this offense right it would be great for Jeremy Ruckert I think it would help Ohio State like the number one thing this offense is going to try to do is like make the freshman quarterback comfortable make the new quarterback they're going to you know, they have a bunch of established guys, but I think there just might be some times when it's like, well, Rucker can do this and Olave can do this and Wilson can do that. And it's like, yeah, but can our quarterback do that? And it's like, let's run an eight yard out, <laughs> you know, because like, you know, the, the, the receiver will run the, def- the, the cornerback off, come back to the ball. There's no help. You're not worried about a defender you don't see. They've got arm strength and you can hit that stuff and, and, and it might just not you might not be able to feature some of these great players as much as you could with the veteran QB. 
very similar to 2019 Justin, where um, we were in awe of the way he was throwing those out routes, but also that was a staple in 2019. And then obviously last year we saw a lot more um, over the middle throws from him just because he was in year two, just like with Dwayne. I mean, that's his third year in the program by the time he's doing a lot of that stuff. Let me, let me bring this up because it came up with the texters uh, over the weekend with something I texted out. Again, if you guys want to be a texter, 614-350-3315. I was texting about some PFF stats about Justin and some of his, you know, that he didn't have a lot of easy yards last year. He didn't have a lot of passing yards like on RPOs and screens compared a lot to a lot of other guys. He had a lot of air yards compared to the other quarterbacks. He didn't have a lot where his receivers had yards after the catch. So he's hitting throws down the field. He's not getting cheapies because he threw a six-yard slant and the guy ran 50 yards, and it's a 50-yard completion. Dwayne definitely had that, and that's not mm-hmm. a shot at Dwayne. And, and in this context, it was we're talking about as pro prospects. So it's like, okay, you're comparing Justin to past Ohio State quarterbacks. He had a lot more tough yards than JT or Dwayne did. You're comparing him to Mac Jones. He had a lot more tough yards than Mac Jones did. But it was the idea, and I finally came around in the end of, like a Mac Jones-Dwayne Haskins comparison of, like, you're a point guard, you get it out quick, you're surrounded by playmakers, you're bing, bang, boom. And Justin wasn't that. You know, Justin's not a point guard. Justin's not Chris Paul, right? Like, Justin's Russell Westbrook, right? Like, he's a point guard, but he can score, too. So – then the conversation with a couple textures got to, will this offense in 21 look more like the offense in 18? That are you going to have your quarterback be a point guard and it's going to be bing, bang, boom, right? Now, is that more or less record? I don't know, but it might be a lot of little quick stuff for Garrett and Chris and you just do some stuff like that. And I said, I do think that's a conversation for us down the line, but I wanted to bring that up because some smart texters were bringing it up. I think it relates to a lot of things of how guys will be used, but at some point, again, as we continue to talk about who will the quarterback be, but then also what will the quarterback, whoever it is, what will the quarterback do in a world where they're inexperienced and surrounded by playmakers? It might be a lot of yards after the catch. Uh, Maybe they go back. They had trouble with RPO stuff in 18. The line didn't like it. It affected the run game negatively. Maybe they've learned from that, but Steve Steve Sarkeesian and Mac Jones killed people all last year with RPOs. Ryan Day could do that if he wants, and if he gets a point where, like, a quarterback is comfortable with it and it gets it out of his hand and you you can attack a defense but get it out quick, at some point, obviously, we're going to talk about what the structure of this offense is going to look like, and I think it relates to all of this stuff. Right, we have to figure that out a little bit before we can truly figure out what Alave season, what Wilson season, what Ruckert season is going to look like. But I think I might be leaning towards the idea of this might be a reversion a little bit to eighteen, with a young quarterback get it out of his hands to playmakers. That's interesting because it's in all of these scenarios, it's putting the pressure on where the talent is. And in twenty eighteen, you had a deep, experienced wide receiver room and an inexperienced quarterback, even if it was his third year in the program. So you put the pressure on the wide receivers and they delivered. Last year, the talent was in the quarterback room while it was really only two wide receivers with any type of, you know, experience. And also your quarterback, I don't know if it was the guy who you guys had on on here or if somewhere else I read it, they called Justin a big game hunter. But 
that combination is why you got a lot of those, as you called it, a lot of those air yardage for, for Justin Fields instead of a lot of that quick stuff. Once again, I mean, we know what the wide receiver room is. We know the talent that's in that room. That's putting the pressure once again on that wide, that talented wide receiver room to perform while you have an inexperienced quarterback. So I, I think that is an interesting thing that, to explore. Yeah, that was Derek Clausen, who Steven was mentioned, that, that came on uh, here a couple weeks ago, wrote a, a, a really great breakdown of football outsiders about Justin Fields and about the idea of uh, adjusted completion percentage, that it's not just the fact you're completing passes or how many passes you complete. It's about how far downfield. It's kind of like the uh, degree of difficulty for those of you who are, you know, diving fans or wherever degree of difficulty comes into play. Um, uh, I, I will say from watching today, I didn't like necessarily think I was watching something different than the offense that we watched the last couple of years, watching today, watching Friday, but it's so much harder when you're just watching a set drill, like a drill that's set at one place on the field and they, they run a scripted thing like that. It's so different than if you were able to go out there and watch a drive or watch a series of drives where they run through all three of these quarterbacks and you might start to see some of that. And then it may be too early for them to start installing a lot of that stuff yet. I know that Ryan Day used the word install when he was talking about, you know, going through first down, second down, third down stuff recently. But I, I, I think that is, I think of that as more of like a preseason thing or maybe later in the spring. I'm not sure, but I you know, one of those things that maybe if, to watch in the spring game when you're actually playing something that looks more like, you know, scrimmage football, then maybe that's something that, that shows up. One of the other things we saw today flipping to the other side of the ball. And so are we buying or selling Craig young is a bullet. And will be used as such this season. Craig Young, um, sophomore linebacker, he was playing safety essentially today when we saw practice. We asked Ryan Day about it afterwards. He said, yeah, that's, that's what he was playing today. And we talked a lot about how versatile he was. Steven, you were watching the defense. Just what did you see from that setup and what did you think? I thought he – I mean, he's with the defensive backs the entire day. He never went over there with the linebackers once. And then when they were in the goal line setting, I promise you he was a single high safety in the goal line situation, which isn't crazy if he's already learning defensive back stuff. And then also that range – I mean, he's six three, six four, long arms, and his range is just different. I'm buying all that stock. If you're telling me he's going to be – I already said I think he might be the starting Sam linebacker. If he's just the bullet and he's the Sam linebacker on first and second, I'll buy all that stock. Yeah, I think that's what's that, that essentially is what it comes down to more though is like it, it is is he well go ahead Doug and you answer it. Well, I just I, I I think it matters so much what position group you work with in practice. So it's like oh could he be the bullet? It's like well if you're telling me he's with the safeties in practice, then yeah. So then the answer becomes or then the question becomes so then on first down, can he be a strong side? Can he be a Sam linebacker on first down if he's really doing safety things all the time? And then the answer is maybe not. But then that leads to, okay, well, then, like, he's the bullet. He's not the Sam linebacker. Maybe Kayvon Pope is in there on first down, and he comes in on other downs and is doing coverage things while lined up as a linebacker, which, again, is kind of what the bullet is. So if that's this, and that he then, to me, that to me is him being what Court Williams is going to be. It's just he's older than Court Williams, and Court Williams is hurt. But if you're telling me everything we thought Court Williams can be and will be, Craig Young is now currently doing that, then that's like, all right, then they have two guys there. They have two guys who can play that position. It's now a real position. They'll play a lot of snaps. I don't think it's only a third down position. I think, again, some teams, right, 
passing teams, if they're in three wide receivers all the time, maybe that's a little bit more. If they have great receiving tight ends, whatever. If it's a run team, then maybe the bullet plays less. The Sam linebacker plays more. But I'm going to go by if Steve, if you guys are saying he's with the safeties, then that's what that is. He came as a linebacker. He's kind of got a linebacker body, but he's a safety in practice. Ah, it's a bullet. <laughs> well, see, this is why it's so important to actually get to see practice. Because last week we talked to Matt Barnes and somebody asked him like, hey, what's going on with the bullet? Like, how is that progressing? Is that something we're going to see? And you're like, oh, we're going to get some insight here. And you kind of lean into your screen. And then Matt Barnes says, well, I don't know. Like, is it a linebacker or is, is like, is it a safety or is it a Sam? Like, I don't really know. And you're just like, oh, and you slump back yeah. in your chair. Cause like, here we are again. This is like where we started from three years ago. Um, but I, I think like actually going out there and seeing that he is playing with the safeties in a, in a, for like a full-time capacity, at least for this practice, we don't know if that's maybe, Ryan day talks like he moves around a little bit and that they they're trying to do various things with him. But I think at the end of the day, it all comes back to worry less about the terminology and just worry that they've found a, third linebacker that they feel like has to be on the field that's what I think this has kind of always come back to me it's like when will the bullet be a thing it's when when they find somebody like this that has to be on the field whether that's young Williams the combination of the two of them I think that's the more important thing than deciding you're going to use the bullet and then finding a guy to play bullet and then playing bullet I'd rather if I was an Ohio State fan I would just be like hey just go find the linebacker that has to play and that's what they did with Pete Werner, and it's uh, sort of what they did with Bam Browning, even though he wasn't the same kind of athlete, wasn't really a bullet, but was the guy that had to be on the field. And the fact that there were so many linebackers out and so many secondary guys out, they spent a lot of time in actual nickel where it's two linebackers and then it's four, uh, five defensive backs instead of the four defensive backs. So he was just in there as the base in those situations. So he could honestly – you could call him a Sam linebacker or a bullet, whichever one you wanted to call him, just because of how they spent most of the day lined up. Yeah, I think I'll, I, I, again, I'll just, I'm going to go back to, well, what is he in practice? Like, if he's like, with yeah. the safeties being coached by the safeties coach, yeah. then he's not a linebacker. He might be, I mean, he's a bullet, but he's not a linebacker. Now, again, doesn't mean he can't do linebacker things, but also that's not the stuff he's working on. But there's also like on ball linebacker and off ball linebacker, and not every linebacker is going to be asked to go stick his, stick his helmet in a hole and try to stop a running back, right? So there are different responsibilities, but that's, if he is with the safeties in practice, but when you see him on the field, he looks like he's lined up like a linebacker. Like that's what this is to me. Because mm -hmm. he doesn't practice doing linebacker things, but then he lines up where a linebacker would line up. And then it's like, okay, then that's what we're talking about. Because, and it's one of those things where I think that ultimately seeing that makes me think, oh, he is going to have a real role with this team this year. And that that's probably it because I don't, I don't see him being an open field free safety. Like they're not going to, no. they're not going to do that with him. So this is what makes more sense that you would be having him work out with that group and developing the skills that you want from that thing. Cause the whole point all along, right. Has been the whole point of the bullet to me was that you're sort of hiding an extra linebacker on the field in the guise of a defensive back. Like you're, you're still getting the linebacker run support or nine, some high percentage of it that you would get and giving yourself the flexibility to defend the pass better. Yeah. It's just like, if you're going to have that many defensive backs on the field, but somebody's still got to be in the box kind of mm -hmm. right. That like, probably you're not going to be like taking on a guard and like a pulling guard and trying to make a tackle on a running back, but you're in the box against the threat of that so that you're not playing like, 
you know, so far, like a, such a pass defense alignment that somebody could just gas you and run down your throat, but that you're defending the pass first. This is the thing. This is all in service of what I think we have seen from the Ohio State defense over time, which is in the past, they often have enough guys in the box. They want to stop the run. That's why they have the single high safety. They want to stop the run, but it does lead them vault, leave them vulnerable to the pass a little bit, right? So it's almost like pass personnel in a run-stopping alignment, which is, I think, probably what they sort of want to center on a little bit so that then if they start throwing, it's like Craig Young's like, hey, man, I've been, I've been practicing with the safeties. I'm good to go. But it doesn't invite an offense to run the ball down their throat because as much as we want to say, hey, man, why don't you just worry about stopping Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell and Trevor Lawrence and all this stuff, and what are you so worried about stopping the run? That's what they want to do. They never, I don't think they're going to ever like abandon stopping and run. So this, is, I think, is like a half solution. And, and you've got to have the right guys to do it because, you know, they still, if you put Craig Young or Court Williams in that spot and they're like, those guys are safeties. They weigh 190. We're going to run down their throat. Then it doesn't work. But it's like, hey, they look like a linebacker kind of. They'll hit you like a linebacker, but all they do all practice is cover. There's the bullet. It's actually the bullet. It's a bullet. It's finally here. Took, we took talk years. all year and we talk all year. And Greg Madison brought it down and it's finally here. The Greg bullet. Mad- <laughs> Greg Madison's not. Yeah, he retired and now they're finally using the position he came here to coach. Do you, like, will, what will be just sort of your exclamation the first time that you walk into Ohio Stadium for a game and sit down and the uh, depth chart that's laying at your, at your seat says bullet for the third linebacker it'll be like wlb mlb bullet it'll be like should it be Will capitalized or not again? no you, yeah. that song again? you have to get up on the desk and sing that song you do it's, that's like one of the just like bugs Bunny in a top hat kind of like dancing like a chorus line with you himself mean the frog in the top hat yeah. from the bugs bunny thing yeah 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 it's I, think, I, I i kind of envision you um, they're, they're doing skull session and the band's getting ready to play. And then you like run in like Elvis Costello on Saturday night live. And you're just like, no, no, stop. And then you just start singing that song and dancing in front of <laughs> just terrified people, terrified and confused and bewildered people in St. John's arena. Me and Greg Madison, Greg Madison, special guest, arm in arm. The first time the bullet makes a play on the field, you guys are going to shed a tear. Like, yeah, it took us three years to get to this moment, but we're finally here. I want no, someone escapes. Someone out there who can do like animation, just Doug and Greg Madison locking arms and doing like rocks. Um, what are they called? Rocket. Rocket kicks. Yeah. Yeah. It, to whatever that song was that Doug just sang, which I, I don't believe he just thought that up. I think that that's been, um, Nikki's been working on that a while. And then we immediately will have a 45 minute discussion about whether the B is capitalized or not, because no <laughs> other position is capitalized, but I don't know what it is. I don't, so Get ready One of that. our longer recent uh, text exchanges was me asking, do we capitalize bullet? And then like, it was like a philosophical discussion about <laughs> whether it's a name or whether it's a position. Uh, Steven, uh, you were watching the defense more closely and this was your first chance to get out there. So anything else that caught your eye on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I, obviously I, 
just from a freshman standpoint, I was wondering where all the freshmen were on the defense, especially when they were doing some special teams periods, because obviously as every coach on this team will tell you that's your gateway into getting onto the field. Jack Sawyer working with special teams. I think Jansen Dunn was working with special teams. Somebody else was working with special teams as well. Talik Williams right now looks like a brown version of B.B. Landers. Literally, they just both look like bowling balls. And he's obviously still clearly adjusting to the to the, the speed of college football. And he's probably still leading to get in state, even for a guy who's going to be a nose tackle. But that he – all of those guys in Larry Johnson's group are like 6'4", 6'5", and taller, and they're all just hovering. And then he's like the short guy in the group, which is hilarious to say that 6'2", 6'3", is short. But he's the guy who just physically doesn't – stands out in comparison to the rest of the guys. It would be interesting to watch – his physical transformation over the next year or so. But other than that, yeah, some freshmen flashed. Uh, Lathan Ransom and uh, who's Emeka uh, Ibuka had a little 12-on-12 action when they were in goal line, and Lathan Ransom ended up winning out that battle. And then we had a couple others as well. Um, but for the most part, pretty solid day from the secondary and the linebackers. Actually, you bring up a point that we'll end on here before we go to break, and that is uh, Ryan Day was asked about the defensive tackles today, and – um, kind of jumped out of his chair and excited. You know, as much as he didn't want to like talk about separation in the yeah. quarterback room, um, was very excited to tell us that he thinks Tron Vincent is like ready to just blow up and take over the world. And that's something that I think has been in kind of our back pocket for a while. Like, when is this guy going to be healthy? Uh, have the combination of health and opportunity to really erupt. And you could argue, I guess, the opportunity has already been there. He didn't really look himself to start last season. We found out later he was coming off with some injury things. And the way Ryan Day talked about it was like something is locked in. He took things up another notch in terms of his preseason with uh, Mickey Marotti or his offseason, I should say, uh, dedicating himself to the weight room. Uh, more disciplined was, I think, the term that Ryan Day used today. And uh, just, I mean, Steven, you heard it. I mean, he says that this guy is ready to explode, which is interesting because he's not like a natural nose tackle with his size, I would say, from what Ohio State usually wants from its nose. But they rotate guys enough that we've always said, like, all this guy needs to do is just be get, get healthy and get the spark, and there's always going to be a chance for him to really affect the game. I thought he looked quality going through drills. Obviously, you can't gauge with defensive linemen as much because they do a lot of individual work, and it's not – always contact when we're in there but he didn't stand out and when you've been going through the injuries that he's been going through and you can kind of tell oh he's not all the way himself the fact that he just was going through things as normal was probably a good thing for a guy like that he probably is um, on that path to be ready to be that five-star that he once was and also because I did ask Matt Barnes about it last Kerry Combs is on his Kind of like how Ryan Day doesn't hover around uh, Corey Dennis. Kerry Combs doesn't really hover around Matt Barnes. He's around when they're competing, but when they were in those teaching periods, it was Matt Barnes. It was his voice you heard, and Kerry Combs was making his way around to all the defensive position groups. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we even need to do buy or sell on Tron Vincent because people have been buying that since yeah. before he ever committed to Ohio State, and certainly since he's he's gotten to Ohio State, people have been buying like the, the breakthrough that's going to come um Doug what I mean do you could he be a nose tackle for this team at his size you've seen more of that in, in the last couple only two years I've been here that hasn't been the kind of athlete they've used there at least not as the first option you know I think sometimes they have a nose tackle I think sometimes they don't really have a nose tackle and then somebody who's not a natural nose tackle just has to play a nose tackle if you know what I mean mm -hmm. and so I do think what we have talked about 
if you wind up with kind of a three-man rotation between Antoine Jackson, Teron Vincent, and Haskell Garrett through the two defensive tackle spots, and if, okay, if Antoine Jackson is in the game, he's the nose. If Antoine Jackson's not in the game and it's Teron Vincent and Haskell Garrett, I think you can just sort of figure it out, and it's like, all right, well, I don't know that it would have to be Teron Vincent has to play nose every snap. It's like, all right, well, let's switch him around a little bit, all right, Haskell Garrett, he'll take on the double team now and let Teron Vincent try to do something, right? I do think they're big enough, and not everybody is Tommy Togiai, right? There's lots of times that you have athletic defensive tackles who aren't quite Tommy, Tommy Togiai, and you figure it out. So I do think he doesn't project, right, as the kind of nose tackle Tommy Togiai was, but I think they can make it work, and I think they can play Vincent and Garrett together at times if they want to. And to that point, Jaron Cage is only 10 pounds heavier than everybody. You know, people were discussing here. Antoine Jackson, Haskell Garrett, and Jaron Vincent are all 300 pounds. So it's not like there's a significant size difference there. Good point. We are going to come back from break, and we are going to talk a little bit more about things we're buying and selling now that we've been able to actually see two Ohio State football practices here on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. Uh, things we're buying and selling. You know, today Ryan Day was asked. Again, we found out Mitchell Melton is out again, like I said, for the spring. And that adds to the injuries. I mean, Haskell Garrett was already out. Uh, Seven Banks was out, adding to Cam Brown already being out. Court Williams is still not back after his ACL tear uh, before last season. I mean, some of these guys are working out in ways. I think we saw Court Williams out there doing some work on the side, right? Steven, he was in that group. but He was. Uh, but – but not in a full-time way. So Ryan Day has kind of been intimating like, oh, this is, you know, maybe he's just looking at silver lining, but this is good because it gets these young guys even more reps than they would have received. So I guess what we're asking buy or sell is like, is that true? Or because we've talked about how many pieces are actually still back on this defense, that you're missing a chance to start coming together as a unit in the spring or is that not as important because spring is really more about reps and development? Yeah, I, I sell that. I don't think it's good. I think that you've got to be – I think we really started talking about, like, limiting reps. I think it was in 15, right, when Urban Meyer, they're coming off the national championship. They have everybody back. And it's like, does Joey Bosa need spring practice? Does Taylor Decker need spring practice? It was like, no, no, no. It was like all these, like, three-year starters coming off a national championship. Maybe you don't have to be quite that. So, like, Haskell Garrett, I think, is fine, right? Like, Chris Olave has a, whatever, a stomach bug or something. He missed a couple practice. I think you're fine. I think almost anybody less established than that, it's not great. Like, Seven Banks, I don't know. I guess it's okay. But, like, he's, I think he could still use reps. I mean, he was a first-time starter last year in a pandemic, in a shortened season, yeah. in a goofed-up season. So I don't think he's, like, so locked in that he doesn't need spring. So I think a lot of this, it's not devastating, but especially on a defense that needs to be better, right, that has a lot of moving parts. Like, I don't, I don't think it's great. Beyond Garrett, I think it's – these guys are missing a little bit. Yeah, I'm selling it because the people who are getting those reps instead are playing catch-up. You know, it's not like they're just getting extra reps. It's no legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts did not have a spring last year. And then legend was dealing with an injury for half a year. So he didn't play in a single game. So they're playing catch up along with the guys who are your perceived starters who missed last year are also missing this year as well. It's 
no one's getting extra. And that was, I think, with the big thing when you bring up Joey Bosa and that 2015 team, a lot of those got, it's just been extra work. That I mean, it's bonus. This isn't bonus. This is need. And this is now Mitchell Melton and Dallas Gant, who's not a participant really this this spring because of his own right. injury. So that's two guys out of that middle linebacker, inside linebacker group that are, are taken out, a position where you're replacing a starter. We don't know who eventually is going to emerge from there. But, again, you would think that the – and there's nothing they can do about it. I mean, guys get hurt. This is a sport that is not um, set up for – to, to, to get through without injuries, but it, it is still just taking um, opportunity away and development away from, from some of these guys. And they can talk as much as they want about mental reps and, uh, and those sorts of things and developing, you know, leadership and, and finding other ways to help. But I think there's a lot to be said for getting as many reps as you can in the spring physically and, and building yourself up, especially it was just a couple weeks ago that they're talking about how they had, you know, all these guys, how much is going to help them to have all these extra guys. And then that kind of keeps, dwindling here as as we go day by day so I think it is especially I especially sell it when you're talking about people like Mitchell Melton like Court Williams like uh Cam Brown although he's coming off of an old one but like when when you're adding new guys who are the guys who are supposed to be developing into their first real role and now those guys can't practice I think that's significant yeah I mean it's it's one of those things it's how people you know they didn't have nobody had spring practice last year and they played a football season and like everybody was fine. So like I, I do think sometimes we can overstate it, but there are guys sometimes who the beginning of them figuring it out was spring practice. You know, that that happens all the time. So um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to buy that. Like, yeah, the idea of, Hey, there's some young guys who are hurt, but Hey, the third stringers getting reps. It's like, nah, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. Especially when you don't know who your starters are significantly so it's not like you're just building death behind guys you know are going to be the starters right uh you mentioned chris Olave being out today he was also out friday ryan day says it's just a bug that's going around and he's not a guy that i think needs to be out there practicing as doug said one of the other guys who's been out is harry miller we were told earlier this spring some uh, undisclosed injury but he was not going to be doing contact drills harry miller is out there harry miller is practicing to some extent he was out there when they were all lined up snapping the ball I don't actually have my notebook here but he was not snapping to one of the three quarterbacks that we were talking about before he was snapping to someone else but they had six guys lined up taking snaps and he was one of the centers doing those snaps these were under center snaps by the way not shotgun snaps so that was something they were working on today and then when he would do drills he would go through things but when everybody else would go and and engage someone and hit someone he would just kind of pretend to and then not hit anybody so um, he is still working I asked Ryan Day just like what he believes because we so my next thing with buy or sell was could my Matthew Jones be Ohio State starting center this fall which I guess would mean that either he just beats out Harry Miller because of this spring activity or they just decide to leave Harry Miller at guard and make Matt Jones the starter because now he'll have had this spring to develop that Harry Miller didn't get to have and Harry Miller didn't play center all last year except for one game at Michigan State which people I'm sure remember so I think I am selling it. I think Harry Miller is still this team center this fall. I think Matt Jones's versatility is important. I think though the time that he spent at guard and the time that Harry Miller has still recently spent at center and the way that he's been groomed for that position, I still tend to believe that's how it's going to end up, especially now that I know that Harry Miller is back and is participating in some ways this spring, even if he can't be out there in the live scrimmage periods when they do those. I agree with that. I don't, 
you know, it's one of those things you can catch a glimpse of Matthew Jones, like being the center in a video. And it's like, ho, ho, ho. It's like, yeah, well, Harry Miller's not doing his thing. What are you talking about? Like somebody's got to snap it. Yeah. He, he's been Harry Miller is a center, right? I mean, like that's not like Harry Miller is a center who played guard last, last year. And it does feel like the way Ohio state in the past and pre Ryan day has moved guys over. It's like, you sort of graduate to center. It's not like a demotion to center. It's like, well, Pat Alfine was a guard that he graduated to center. Billy Price was a guard. He graduated to center. Michael Jordan was a guard. And they said, dear God, we don't have a center. You have to do it. And he was like, what? So it is like more important for lack of a better word, right? I mean, it's obviously, it's just, it's a little bit more of something. So I think the only way you would buy it is if like Matthew Jones is just so good this spring and they're like, well, one of them's a guard. Like one of them's the left guard and one of them's the center. Harry played left guard all last year. And like Matthew Jones is like really comfortable and good. Like why mess with it? And they just say, Harry, Harry, not going to mess with it. But I just, I think Matthew Jones would have to look like, you know, random pro bowl center to do that. That like, he just would have to look like he might be the best center in the country. Cause then otherwise it's Harry Miller's thing, and then they'll flip it back. So I'll, I'll sell it, I guess, leaving open the possibility that like Matt Jones is just so comfortable there that they feel like they have to keep it. Yeah, Harry Miller's been the backup center the last two years, so I'm, I'm going to sell that. I do think it's funny <laughs> that you bring up Michael Jordan playing center. Just because, Yeah, he did play center and it was out of position, but also I think it was you, Nathan, who asked about the size of that center is supposed to be in Ryan days like they're just using a smaller guy six two six three and michael jordan six seven playing center which is hilarious yeah michael no, jordan says like yeah don't make me bend over anymore please <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah he, he I, I did ask i just kind of asked more generally like hey you know you you guys moved you know uh, matt jones was a center in high school you guys moved him to guard for a reason right so what is it that he has that makes you think that he could be and, and matt jones is six four three sixteen so i think he falls in to that the top end of that comfort level that I think Ryan Day has he kind of talk like anything beyond that when you start getting up to six 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 seven then it's hard to get underneath the defensive lineman I assume it's probably also a little bit harder for your quarterback to to see downfield unless you've got an especially tall one so I, I think Matt Jones is probably ends up starting on this line I think Harry Miller ends up starting on this line I just I have a feeling that Harry Miller is still going to be back at center again just because he's he's getting to have some spring he's not like one of these guys that's injured and completely out of spring he is still getting to be involved and in, and in, in doing things and I think that probably ends up um, resulting in him being where he thought we'd be all along. Um, last thing here that I had, and you guys can, can throw in anything else, but uh, the concept that Ohio State could play two running backs together. This is, you know, the other part of spring when I said before, it's about like parsing language. It's about deciding when a coach says something, whether it's something we should repeat or whether it's something we should ignore. It's very hard when an assistant coach, you're talking to a position coach and they say something like that. It's very hard to just, dismiss it to me like and pretend it has pretend they just didn't say it because you don't believe it but we'd all sell that right like honestly it's not going to play two running backs at the same time right i can someone show me the snap in the nfl or power five college where somebody played two tailbacks at the same time last year can any can you show me like five snaps among 95 97 teams in power five and the nfl where we where we saw it where it wasn't triple option 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I nobody don't. Nobody really even does that anymore. Yeah. Nobody does it. So I, like, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. Like it, what would it look like? Well, that's what's kind of interesting to me. Like, if I thought that they were capable of that or, or gave themselves a freedom to do that, be like, oh, man, like you come out and just, you know, first series of the second quarter against um, Akron or whatever, they put Teague and Trevion Henderson out there at the same time. And then everybody's like, oh, man, what are we looking at? And then, like, what do they run out of that? Like, that would be fascinating. But I don't think they're actually going to do that because of what you're saying, Doug, because it's kind of like it's kind of like a thing that just isn't done. And I don't think you want to be the the people that are accused of like screwing around and getting cute. And it's also just one of the, if you do that, let's for the, let's just have some fun. They do that. One of those guys is a receiver. So why not just put a receiver on the field? Well, usually if you're going to do that, it's that one guy's going to like lead block for the other. But like yeah. when when we've seen Ohio State, here's the thing too: if your quarterback is a run threat, now you have three running backs on the field. It's like they're all which one, and and they're not gonna. You got two of them blocked. You're wasting a player, frankly. I yeah. mean, it's just like you know, because we saw Ezekiel Elliott block for JT Barrett. You know, like Ezekiel Elliott wasn't blocking for Curtis Samuel, although he might have like on one play. But it's like there have been enough combinations over the years where we've wanted to see it, and it's just it just doesn't happen with any kind of meaningful regularity and frankly it's like one of those things it's like well what's the purpose it's like oh if you're trying to get like playmakers on the field it's like man play a quarterback a running back olave wilson smith najigba and ruckert like that's enough playmakers you don't have to play two tailbacks to get playmakers on the field at ohio state right one of those running backs the maybe the best two receivers in the country and maybe the best tight end in the country. Like, which? who are you taking off that the works. field to put a second running back on the field? It's like you look at that and you go, eh, that's not enough. Let's put a true freshman out there. Yeah. Like, they would, take, true freshman. they would take Garrett Wilson off the field so that Teague and Trivia and Henderson could be out there together, and Garrett Wilson would just stand next to Ryan Day <laughs> and just, like, stand right next to him with his arms folded and be like, oh, yeah, you like this uh, formation there, Coach? Yeah, it looks real good. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking me off the field. This looks real productive. So if Tony Alford ever says that again, should we just ignore it? Should we just not even say that he said it? No, I think we should yell at him for saying it. <laughs> Tony, why do you insist? I, I will put the over-under on snaps with two tailbacks on the field this year at two and a half in a 15-game season, and I'll under. take the under. Oh, yeah. Under. under. Well, put, well under yeah. that. I might do it under one and a half. Yeah. Uh, what else? Anything else that's on your guys' mind? I mean, we're halfway through, like, I think today was the first practice of the second half. I mean, the, today was the eighth practice, so you get 15, including the spring game, as the 15th practice. Anything else we need to help people, like, gain some perspective on as we head down the stretch here? No, I mean, I guess, I think the, it's, it's just only if you guys have any extra stuff to talk about. I mean, I think, like, I think we can read into like vibe at practice. Oh, the team's loose. It's always like, oh, it always makes me laugh when people say the team is loose. But I also do believe in the fact that if you are a person who is, and the problem is we haven't been around the team, as you guys said at the top. I do believe in the idea that if you are a person who is around the team a lot, you can get a feel sometimes for like, ah, they seem off. They seem weird. They seem really confident. Like, I do think that's a thing. So, I mean, I go, it was like interesting to be back at practice. There's just, if there's anything else, like you both said, I thought it was interesting. You said that like 
Day and Combs are kind of doing their thing. They're not sticking, you know, to a position group. Did you, like, was Parker Fleming? Could you get a vibe of what he does? Does he only do special teams? When they're not doing any special team stuff, is he doing – is he with a group defensively? Like, did you get a read on that at all? I'll be honest. That is I, interesting. I, yeah, I wasn't paying that close attention to it because I was focusing on other things. I, I obviously, obviously, when they were doing the special teams period start of practice, he was loud. But also, Matt Barnes was just as vocal during those periods. But outside of that, I didn't really notice him. Because he's got to be doing something. Because sometimes mm-hmm. there's, they're doing special team stuff on the side all the time. But I doubt – I mean, it's not like he has nothing to do besides special teams. He must have something else he's doing. And we know that in the past, you know, that Greg Madison and Al Washington would kind of split the linebackers up. You know, especially if Combs is roaming, is Fleming helping split safeties and corners a little bit. Yeah. I mean, every now and then – Teams will do a thing where the defensive ends will do something and the tackles will do something different. I'm just – I would be curious how Parker Fleming might be used. I wouldn't be surprised if when – they didn't do that when we were in there, split the safeties and the cornerback, they were together the entire – I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he's just the new Matt Barnes. And so when they're splitting up safeties, he just goes with the safeties um, and Matt Barnes just stays with the – I wouldn't be surprised at that. They didn't do that while we were in there, so it's kind of hard to tell. And it would have been actually – in retrospect, I wish we had paid more attention to that because he's – doesn't have a background as a defensive coach. And that was something we talked about at the time they made this change was like, you know, so where does he fit on this coaching staff? Because he doesn't have a position, you know, they were sort of losing a defensive coach, at least as far as their coaching background, maybe this is a year that he changes and and does something more, but um, that remains to be seen. And I I didn't notice it like, like Steven said, I didn't notice it while we were out there yesterday. Well, that's the second time in four days we got to see an Ohio State football practice. We don't know if we're going to get to see anything again before the spring game. We hope we do. If we do, We'll be bringing that to you via text, 614-350-3315, and here on the podcast. We have some interviews coming up later this week, offensive line, defensive line, so we're going to get some more intel on those groups. And we will have a live Zoom coming up soon, maybe the week of the maybe the week of the spring game. That makes sense, I think. We'll figure out what day, but some kind of spring game preview live in a Zoom with the texters. One of these evenings, one of these evenings, we will get that to you. We said we were going to do one about once a month, and I think we're a little behind. So we will try to get that to you uh, going into the spring game and uh, maybe set that up for everybody. So, again, I'm Nathan Baird. For Doug Maurice and for Stephen Means, that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>